everyone go ahead and open up with me to Genesis chapter 39 we're continuing our time looking at the life of Joseph which is the latter part of the book of Genesis chapters 37 through 50 so I'm, I'm counting in faith that you've read all 36 chapters before you got here today and if not then you'll feel the conviction to do it by next week <laughs> you know uh, but uh uh, if you know the story of Genesis, God created everything and it was good. The only thing that wasn't good was that man was alone. He, he was didn't have a relationship, so God made him a, 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 a suitable partner. And then sin broke that all apart. And so not only does sin in, affect and infect the, the marriage relationship, it affects all relationships. We see very shortly after Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden, uh, they have two boys and uh, one kills the other, right? Cain kills Abel. And so we see the story continue to progress and progress and progress. God's, uh, the people he created try to build a tower to reach the heavens, Tower of Babel. It's, it's, it crumbles, it falls. Uh, they're scattered by language and differences. And so then we see that God gives a promise to Abram and he says, go from this country. And he says, I will bless you and through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then uh, Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. Uh, he first tries to have a son his own way. His name was Ishmael, but the, the son of promise is Isaac, who comes to Sarah late in age. Isaac has a son. His name is, well, he has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob steals Esau's birthright. And then Jacob has all these boys, and uh, they all plot against each other. They, none of them can get along. And so what we see in the story is Joseph has come on the scene. Joseph, we remember from our first week, he was uh, favored by his father. Uh, he was given a coat and many colors. Uh, his brothers were jealous of him. They threw him down in a cistern or a well and then sold him into slavery. Last week we see uh, one, the brother that said let's not kill Joseph but let's sell him into slavery. Let's make money. That bro brother Judah uh, ended up having his own journey with his sons and impregnating his, his uh, daughter-in-law and so uh, we see that uh, Things are not perfect when we're seduced and trying to do them our own way. And you may ask, why does the story of, Ch of Tamar and Judah interrupt the story of Joseph? Because it plays a role in what God's developing in the story. We see that Joseph, he, he responds in the exact opposite way that his brother Judah did. Furthermore, if we look at his other, one of his other brothers, Reuben, the oldest, uh, Reuben slept with his uh, with uh, Bilhah, uh, a concubine, and uh, of his dad's, and so we see a servant of his dad's, and so we see that there's a lot of messed up happening in the book of Genesis, and that is all a result of sin, and so we see that Joseph's not perfect, but here in the story, Joseph shows us a way in which we can flee temptation. That's the big idea today, is seduction is a lie, flee from it. Seduction is a lie, 
flee from it. How often are we seduced by those things that are temporary, those things that temporarily make us happy. I remember this as a young kid. I, I grew up in a, a, a household where my father was uh, abusive, and I had to find different things to put my energy into. And one of those, actually, I got from my father. My father bought me baseball cards back when I was younger, and I did the smart thing of, you know, uh, destroying them with my bicycle, and then also I pinned them up on the wall, and uh, this will kind of age me a little bit here. Uh, you'll see how young I am and good looking, uh, but you'll see that, don't be seduced, that's, that's a lie. Um, but uh, what you'll see is that I, I pulled them out years later after my dad died, and there was like a Derek Jeter rookie card with a pinhole straight through it, you know, and I'm like, you know, a <laughs> couple hundred dollar card, pinhole right through, and it's not worth anything, you know? And uh, that's how our righteousness is, right? It's not worth anything, you know, if we do it our own way. And so I remembered, like, there's nothing bad about sports. There's nothing bad about, like, I became a huge Saints fan. Uh, I'll admit that, uh, and Robert, you take this and run with it. I'll admit that I liked Emmett Smith a whole lot. Like, I mean, I hate the Cowboys. I loved Emmett Smith. You know what I mean? Like, it's all these things were seducing. I had to come to the point where I realized that it, there wasn't anything wrong with being a Saints fan. There wasn't anything wrong with collecting. There wasn't anything wrong with these things. It became wrong when a good thing became a God thing, when it became an idol in my life. And that's what you see here in Scripture is uh, you see in the last two chapters, we've, we've talked about sex. Sex is a good thing. You can look at sex in three different ways. It's gross, it's a gift, or it's a God. Like you can look at it in those three ways. And so what we see here is that our world often looks at seduction as just uh, as, as a God. We place it in front of what God desires for us. And we do this not just with sex. We do this with so many other things. Like I said, are you more excited? I, I ask my son Colden this all the time and just to keep him in track. Are you more excited about the Saints game after church on Sunday? Because we're all excited. I, I like to watch the Saints. You know, that way I should shut up and not preach too long, right? So we get there. You know, we all like it. But are you more excited for the Saints game? Or are you more excited to be with like the Saints, you know, the people of God? here on Sunday mornings. When you're seduced by something, it will ultimately let you down. It's like Robert seduced at how good the Cowboys are doing. They will ultimately let you down. You know, um, I love you, Robert. I think the Cowboys may make the Super Bowl this year. So, uh, but y'all know how it is. Like there are things that we love and they're good, but they can easily turn into God right? If we're honest. And so what we'll see here in this passage is that seduction is a lie. The good thing about sexual relationship in the confines of marriage is a good thing. But here Potiphar's wife tries to usurp God's created order and it becomes seductive. It becomes appealing. And, but seductions like happiness and joy. Happiness is temporary, right? We can find happiness in seduction but we can only find joy in God's way. So let's read the first 12 verses together, and we're going to unpack how seduction is relentless. Seduction is 
relentless. It doesn't stop coming. It keeps coming after you and me. If y'all don't know that, the enemy will continue to come after you day after day after day. Welcome to the family. Let's look at verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, this is picking up where chapter 37 left off. If you don't remember the last verse in 37, verse 36, it says that meanwhile the Midianites sold him, sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. So we see now it's being told from Potiphar's perspective, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites, Midianites, are interchangeable, same group, who had brought him down there, verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. You will notice this phrase multiple times in this passage, and remember this when you and I are being seduced by the lies of the enemy, God is there even in the midst of all that. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused everything he did to to succeed in his hands. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. It's almost echoing Joseph's uh, what grandfather, right? Abraham, right? In you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, right? We are blessed because of Abraham's sake. So the, the house is being blessed for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So he left everything that he had in Joseph's charge. Actually, Abraham was great-grandfather, right? Great-grandfather. Abiyah? Great, great, I think so. Grandfather? Great. Great grandfather. I didn't want to say anything wrong. Grandfather. What? Grandfather. Jacob. Joseph. There we go. All right, we got it together. All right, so here we go. So he left everything in Joseph's charge. Because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, like your pastor. Um, and so, and after a time, his, why are y'all laughing? Why are y'all laughing? And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you because you are his wife. This is the way God has designed us for the exclusivity of marriage. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And he spoke to Joseph that, and as he, as she spoke to Joseph that day, uh, day after day, he would not listen to her or lie beside her or be with her. But one day he went into the house to do his work. None of the men of the house was there in the house. She caught him by the garment and said, lie with me. But he left the garment in her hand, fled and got out of the house. So that's what we should all do when sin creeps in. We 
should leave everything that we have, flee, and get out of the house. Seduction is relentless, and seduction may seem like it can bring pleasure in a moment, but it, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what we're told. And we see that Joseph being brought down into Egypt echoes what we're going to look at at the very end of the chapter today, where Joseph is brought down into prison. We see many descents in Joseph's life. We, we, as, we as people, naturally, we like to ascend, right? We like to get more money, you know, be more popular, uh, be happier, all that. Like, we like ascending. And this kind of echoes where we're at in our group this morning of adults. Sometimes you've got to descend to really see where God is. And what we see is that in this passage, or in these, in these three chapters, we see that Joseph has at least three different descents. First, he's thrown into a pit or to a cistern in chapter 37. We see at the end of 37, beginning of 39, that he descends into Egypt. He's brought from his homeland into slavery, into a foreign land. And then at the end of this chapter, we will see that he descends from a, a position of prominence into prison. Seduction is relentless because sometimes it wants to lie to us that the descent means that God is not with us. But what happens immediately at the beginning of this chapter, there's a phrase in, in, in verse 2, right after Joseph is sold into slavery, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Amen, right? The end of the book, uh, the book is summarized in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20. But Joseph said to them, don't fear, am I in the place of God? Talking about his brothers, I'm showing you where the story is going to end. He says, as for you, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This echoes Paul's words in Romans 8. 28, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Know that when it feels as if you're descending into the depths of despair, God is there. He's there with you and me. That's why the psalmist, David wrote in Psalm 23, even though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, right? I'll fear no evil, right? Your, your, your staff and your rod, they, they comfort me says in verse 3, uh, 3 through 5, it says that the master saw Joseph's work ethic. Now the master didn't know Yahweh, but he saw Yahweh's work through Joseph. That's, a, that's, a, that's really a push for all of us, that in a world of seduction, we need to have a holy testimony of hard work. It says that he, Joseph found favor. This favor wasn't, uh, as, as a slave, he shouldn't have found favor, but God is in the story and provides that Joseph finds favor, unmerited favor, in the house of Potiphar, and he attends, he attends him, which, which is the same language that a priest would use in the Old Testament. He treats his work as if it was for God and not just for man. Y'all remember in uh, a beginning part of, of, of Ephesians chapter 6, talking about bond servants and masters, we work as we're working for God, not for man. That's what we're called 
to do in a world that's seducing, in a world that says, hey, all these things are for me. I pray that you know the reason why we slow down, the reason why we go through all this scripture, I, we don't gather on Sunday mornings so that I can make you laugh. We don't gather on Sunday mornings so I can regurgitate information for you. We gather on Sunday mornings to make much of Jesus. And the reason why we often go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we don't always do that. But the reason why we're doing it here, especially in the season, is I want you, my desire as a pastor, is that you would feast on God's word for yourself take this home. We can't cover everything in chapter 39. I pray that you would bring God's word home and that you would read it and you'd be encouraged that even though seduction is relentless, there is a way outside of it. Joseph was handsome. Whenever beauty is talked about in the Old Testament, and hey, even in our world today, it's a sign of trouble that's going to come. Y'all remember uh, what, what happened with King David, right? He saw a beautiful girl and trouble came. The same words for Joseph he took after his mama, Rachel, because we see in Genesis chapter 29, verse 17, that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Joseph got obviously his mom's traits. And as he's a handsome man, uh, he becomes in, unintentionally, he's not intending to be seductive, but he becomes a seduction to Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife, who knows? Maybe they didn't have a good relationship. Maybe she was looking for hope in someone else. Maybe she saw how good Joseph was. How many of us have been married and you're married for a time and you encounter someone else of the opposite sex and they have things that you like in them that you wish your spouse was better in? Has that ever happened to anybody in here? That's where Lila is perfect, right? You know, I, 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 that's a good answer, and it's probably a lie. You know, like, here's the thing. Like, we all become to be seduced by the lies that we place on things that look good. Goes all the way back to an apple in Genesis chapter 3, or fruit. That's what the Bible says, a fruit, you know? It seems good, but in, <laughs> at the end of it, the road leads to death. The moment you see something more seducing in someone other than your spouse or what God has called you to do, get away from it. Flee it. This is why men should spend as much time as we can with men, and women should not should spend as much time as we can with women. It doesn't mean that we can't be mature and interact in business and other things like that, but you better have some guardrails and you better have some barriers. People have criticized the Billy Graham rule. Has anybody ever heard of the Billy Graham rule? Billy Graham refused to, to even to the point that he refused to ride in an elevator alone with another woman. Some people have said that's patriarchy, that's chauvinism, and all. I think it's wise. I think it's wise. I remember there was a well known pastor, if I said his name, I'm not in the business of public shaming, but you know who he, he, who he would be. He, ran this, he read this, one of the largest churches in America ran this conference, and I was watching a simulcast of this leadership conference, and this pastor 
spoke against the Billy Graham rule saying it devalues women to a sexual object rather than the leadership that God had created them to be. This pastor himself was at that time sleeping with another woman who wasn't his wife. Pastor of one of the largest churches in America that is no more. Seduction's relentless. We have to know how to get away from it. You will be tempted. Temptation is not sin. Uh, I want to make you feel good today. Have you ever felt bad when you're tempted? When you're like, oh, that, that would look good. And, oh, I'm a bad, evil. Temptation's not the sin. Acting on the temptation is the sin. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Was Jesus a sinner? No. Seduction's relentless. So what happens? She grabs David's cloak. She grabbed, first off, David's alone in the house, you know? <laughs> That's your first thing, right? Maybe he was forced to in this situation. But he was alone in the house. That's why we should be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Don't ever be alone in a situation. Most men sin when we're being lazy and inactive, right? That's why God created men to work, you know, and stay busy. Don't ever provide a reason and a way for the enemy to come after you. I'm not saying that Joseph was doing that, but we can use that as an object example that we should not even have a hint of the ability to be impure in our lives. Abby and I were talking about this this last week. Abstain from every appearance of evil is what we're told. Even the appearance of evil, like get away from it, like be above board. So she grabs his cloak. The word used for grabbing his cloak here is the same word used in the Old Testament earlier on for grabbing and raping a prostitute. So she, she has evil intentions. She grabs his cloak and tries to bring him in. He's resisting her day by day by day, but she gets him in a compromising situation. She takes his clothes. Don't you? I mean, like you got to feel for Joseph. This is the second time he's had a cloak taken from him and the cloak has been used to lie about him. And he's lost his status twice because of these garments. Maybe, in fact, he left his garment because the custom in that time was you took your cloak off when you entered a house. It's kind of like in the winter. I know we get like two of those days a year. You, you know what I mean? And when you have a, a coat on, you go to someone's house, you take the coat off, put it on the rack. This is kind of what happened with the cloak, the outer garment. Maybe he felt by taking the cloak and the outer garment off and running away, it was custom that the cloak shouldn't be worn inside anyway. Way. Maybe he thought he was being above board, but what she had was evidence. She had evidence to create a lie. And here's what I want you to know. Even if you flee from seduction, this brings us to our second point. Seduction's deceptive. So seduction is not just relentless. It's deceptive. You will be lied about. Even if you flee from temptation, you will be lied about. Maybe someone seeking power. You will be lied about. People lie when they want to usurp you and the authority that God has given you. 
So let's read in verses 13 through 19 about this lie that, and the results of this lie that Potiphar's wife concocts. And as soon as she saw he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called the men of her household. She's trying to get the men of the household on her side before she goes to her husband. She brought, she see, he is brought among us a Hebrew. Notice she doesn't even say Joseph's name. They all know Joseph's name. He was in charge of the house. She mentions that he's a Hebrew. That's what happens when we're trying to seduce and lie and try to gain power. We see people as objects and we put labels on them. We say those thugs and murderers, right? We say those, those white people, those black people, those Asian people, right? Those Middle Eastern people. Like th this is what sin causes us to do. So she didn't call him Joseph. She says that Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as, as he heard, I lifted my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she said, she, then she laid up his garment by her until her, his master came home. And then verse 17, she told him the same story, saying the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us, there's a few different variations in here, um, but she's telling pretty much the same story, brought among us, came into me to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out. The thing that she left out is when she was with the men, she's putting all the blame, not just on Joseph, but also on Potiphar classic he said she said right we try to justify what we do you know hey it's not my fault that i got into this situation it's the man's fault that he brought that man into the house right as soon as the master heard these words he spoke to him his wife and that his wife spoke to him he said this is the way your servant treated treated me his anger kindled and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Seduction is deceptive. The way we can, we can't, you know what? We can't prevent deception. What we can guard is our integrity. I want you to know that. We can't prevent deception and lies about us. But what we can guard is our integrity. As a pastor, I am only here today. I am not perfect. I have failed many times. If you want a list of all of them, I'm sure my wife has them. Actually, she keeps no records of wrongs, but she probably knows a few. You know, like, I am not perfect. But the only reason I'm here today is because I feel that I have some integrity. Because you will be lied about. You will have the enemy come after you. And, you know, it won't even be those that you expect. It'll be those even in your own house. Be those whom you love. The only way to get over the deception of seduction is to live a life that does not mirror that activity. Also, have checks and balances. I know that I honor God with my money. I believe our church honors God with our money. But we have other people count our money on Sunday mornings. 
We have checks, uh, Ken has an access to the bank account. If he sees something come through that's large, Laura and I get a text, you know? Like we have accountability. It's because you want to flee seduction. Sin happens when you're isolated and alone. We guard against sin through accountability and lives lived that mirror the opposite of that. So she lies about Joseph. She breaks a command. She's a, I mean, she's an Egyptian. She's a pagan. So she doesn't yet know the commands of God. Later on, God will say he will give the Ten Commandments right to Moses. And what is one of those commandments? You shall not bear false witness, right? And the Levitical law, we're told that we're not supposed to lie, but we're supposed to treat our neighbor. Actually, she does the opposite of that. The law says that we're supposed to care for the vulnerable. Y'all know that in the Old Testament, they gleaned from their fields and they left the corners for the sojourner and the vulnerable. What she's doing here is she's taking a slave, someone that was wrongfully enslaved into her empire and using and manipulating him for her own seductive good. Seduction's deceptive, but seduction can be overcome. That brings us to our last point. Seduction is overcome. Let's read these last four verses together, verse 20 through 23. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. This is God's hand working right here. Joseph's not put to death. Joseph's put into prison. And how do we know that the Bible is true? Because actually Egyptians were about the only people who put people in prison. Most other times you were killed, you were quartered, you were, you were hung, you were, you, were, you were fed to the beast, you were stoned. But he was put into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But the Lord, <laughs> oh man, you got to love this. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And he showed him steadfast love. Maybe your translation says kindness. That word in the Hebrew is a word hesed. Has anybody ever heard that word before? Hesed, it means God's covenantal steadfast love. It's a love that can't be described in a single English word because it's all encompassing of God's unconditional love for his people. But the Lord was with, jo with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the, side of the in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Do y'all see how the beginning of the chapter mirrors the end of the chapter? The same type of favor that God showed Joseph in Potiphar's house is the same type of favor that is keeping Joseph in the prison in Egypt. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison and whatever was done there. He was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. What? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And the Old Testament success is often correlated with financial gain. So Joseph curried success in Potiphar's eyes, and he curries success in Pharaoh's eyes here later on in the book because of the material wealth that they were gaining. What they didn't know 
is that behind all of that material wealth was not Joseph's skill, was not Joseph's good looks, was not Joseph's ability. It was because God was with him. I want you to know today, don't be seduced by the things that you have. Everything that you have is God's. The house that you live in is God's. My last house in this house, the first houses I've ever lived in. I grew up in trailers and apartments, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everything that I have is God's. Everything. My truck is God's. When it died this week, God provided a way, right? Like everything is his. Don't be seduced by what you have. It's so easy to be seduced by your skill, your promotions, your success, all these things, your 401k. Like it's so easy to be produced. So easy to be seduced by like the family that you have, the, the sex that you have, the, all these things. At the end of the day, when it's not centered on Jesus, when it's not centered on God, it's a lie. Seduction is a lie. Flee from it. Flee from all youthful passion. Flee from sexual immorality. Y'all, our world today, I'll make one last comment on this. Our world today needs to see sex as God intended it to be. Our world today is confused by sex and identity. We don't know what a man is. We don't know what a woman is. We don't know what pleasure is. We think pleasure is found in the palm of our hands or the device that we're holding. How often can you be seduced by that device? I'm not even talking about it in a sexual way. I'm talking about the scrolling, you know, the scrolling, the constant spending. We've, we spend a lot on this device, right? Like, and his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Let's flee sin today and let's run to Jesus. And know this, if you've failed in your life, he doesn't define you as a seducer. He doesn't define you as a failure. He defines you as his. His parents know this, no matter how often our kids stumble and fall, they're still mine. They're still ours. It's no different than the God that we love and the God that we serve. So let's follow him today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for being God and King. Lord, I pray that we learn from this story today of Potiphar's wife seducing Jacob. Lord, I praise you that we have an example in Joseph, though not a perfect man that he did the opposite of his brother, Judah. He fled from temptation rather than going to it. Lord, we know that seduction and temptation is temporary. God, help us to be fixed on what is eternal. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.